The 2022 college football season has been one of the best seasons that I have witnessed in my 20 years of life. Now, that isn't a long time, and I wasn't watching football for all 20 years of my life, but as a college football nerd, I've paged through statistics, players, achievements, what are the greatest teams of all time. I've done my research, and 2022 has had so much chaos and so much uniqueness to it. It reminds me a lot of last year and 2007 combined, some of the best aspects of it. And as a bonus to it, my favorite team, the Michigan Wolverines, are 12-0, 9-0 in conference, and they're facing the Purdue Boilermakers in the Big Ten Championship game. Purdue is 8-4, 6-3 in conference. This season is unique. It's full of chaos. It's full of excitement. And some will say it's a down year in college football, but I don't think so. No, there isn't a 2019 LSU or 2020 Bama or 2001 Miami or 1995 Nebraska team. Though, of course, if Georgia or Michigan or maybe, heck, even TCU somehow have a dominant run in the playoffs, maybe one of these teams will be viewed as one of the greatest of all time, one of the playoff teams. But TCU wasn't picked to finish in the top half of their conference, the Big 12. USC and Utah, they were you know favorites to do something in the Pac-12, which was new in the preseason, but that was one of the few conferences where the makeup of the Pac-12 championship game was somewhat accurately guessed. People picked Wisconsin and Ohio State for the Big Ten championship game. Georgia and Alabama were viewed as the obvious favorites to win the SEC East and West, respectively. Alabama, they're not making it this year, LSU is. And for quite some time, some people, myself included, thought that Tennessee would challenge the dogs and beat them in Sanford. How wrong, of course, I was. And then Clemson and North Carolina for the ACC championship game, TCU and Kansas State for the Big 12 championship game. Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, those are the top three teams projected in the preseason. They're not in the Big 12 championship game. It's TCU versus Kansas State. Kansas State and Utah have a chance to kick some teams out of playoff contention. Ohio State, and I hate to say it, but even Alabama are on the outside looking in. Though I think TCU is probably a lock for the playoffs unless Kansas State beats them by 50. But I want to get back to the Big Ten Championship game. I just wanted to talk about that because college football is awesome. It just is. And this season... And this championship game for the Big Ten are an example of that, because show me one person who in the preseason picked Michigan and Purdue to face off for bragging rights for the Big Ten Conference. Pick one person. Show me one person who had that prediction, because the media, the coaches, the beat writers, Paul Feinbaum, Colin Cowherd, Joel Klatt, all of them picked Ohio State and Wisconsin or Iowa. Wisconsin, of course, fired Paul Christ. That dream died very early in the season. 
and Iowa looked like they were going to waltz into Indianapolis again before Casey Thompson, interim head coach Mickey Joseph, and star wide receiver Trey Palmer humiliated them in Kinnick Stadium. And here we are, Michigan at 12-0, they're likely going to be number two in the nation in tonight's college football playoff rankings. I happen to think they're the best team in the country because I think they're two top 10 wins by a combined 46 points are incredibly impressive. I don't think Georgia or anyone in the nation has a win combo like that, and what Michigan did in Columbus was spectacular, but I'll talk more about that and more about why Michigan now runs the Big Ten Conference in another video. But Michigan football is on the rise. They're back officially. They're very likely going to beat Purdue, which would, of course, cement that statement. Though nothing's guaranteed, that's why this game is being played. Purdue is very used to being an underdog. They love it. They embrace it. They're 8-4, and 6-3 in conference. They're unranked in the AP and coaches poll. Michigan is ranked 2 in both those areas with some first-place votes. The committee might rank Purdue around 22, 23, 24, 25. I have Purdue ranked at 23 in my top 25, which I will release tomorrow afternoon on the YouTube community page. But Purdue has been in this position before. Heavy underdogs against a top three team, which they have three wins against top three teams, and they have won or they've competed. Penn State was unranked entering this season, but Purdue nearly beat them. They lost by four against a Penn State team that is 10-2 and two and will be ranked in the top 10 and will likely win their New Year's Six Bowl and finish 11-2. and two. So both these teams here, Michigan, they have a chance to cement that they're back, pick up their first 13-win season in program history. They've already achieved a record 12 wins in the regular season and nine conference wins in the regular season. And Jim Harbaugh won Big Ten Coach of the Year by both the media and coaches for the first time ever. And Purdue has a chance to capture its first Big Ten title since the Joe Tiller era and pick up its fourth win against AP top three teams, which would be mightily impressive by head coach Jeff Brom. But anyway, let's actually get into previewing this matchup. This game will take place at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and it will air on Fox which is exactly where, what it was last year when Michigan beat Iowa 42-3. Michigan has given an 89.0% chance, so 89 flat percent chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI. And the Wolverines are favored by 16, 16.5 points. That's what they're favored by. Purdue, again, being heavy underdogs, as they should be. Michigan, I would say, has the much better staff. You know, Jeff Brom and Brian Brom, they're a great offensive duo. Brian Brom being the OC, Jeff Brom being the head coach, and they have an underrated defense as well, one that shut down Nicholas Singleton and Muhammad Ibrahim, which their DC, Ron English, he helped put that together. But Michigan's staff is possibly unlike any staff in the nation, and I'm serious when I say that. They have Jesse Minter as their defensive coordinator. He is a finalist for the Broyles Award. He's put together 
a defense that resides in the nation's top five. It's an elite defense. It held Ohio State, who was the number one scoring offense and the number one most efficient offense. I still think they're number one in scoring or number two in scoring. They moved down to number two in efficiency, and they moved down by a few points in their points per game statistic after Michigan held them to 23 points, only three points in the second half. And you can credit that to Jesse Minter and the, and the adjustments that he makes at halftime and throughout the game. Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss as co-offensive coordinators, and you know that Jim Harbaugh is involved in the play calling. Michigan put on one of its best game plans that I have ever seen in their win over Ohio State. And look what they did against Penn State, which was their second best win, rushing for 400 yards. You can credit that to Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss, and Jesse Minter. Jesse Minter holding Sean Clifford to less than 100 passing yards and limiting Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, who have had much greater success in every other game they've played in except for that Michigan game. Jim Harbaugh won Coach of the Year for the Big Ten. He might win National Coach of the Year. And Jesse Minter, very well, he might win the Broyles Award. We'll have to see. I think J.J. McCarthy has outplayed Aiden O'Connell this year at quarterback. I think that O'Connell having a 1-2, to two, um, 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio compared to J.J. McCarthy having nearly a 9-1 to one TDINT ratio tells you all you need to know. At wide receiver, though, and don't worry, we'll get to running back, where Michigan, whether they have Blake Corum or not, is much better. Donovan Edwards and C.J. Stokes and even Cologne Mullings, that's a better running back room than Devin Mockaby and King Dure. But Charlie Jones at wide receiver is who has helped keep Aiden O'Connell somewhat afloat. Charlie Jones has over you know 1,000 receiving yards, has over 10 receiving touchdowns, transferred in from Iowa last season, and look, he has nearly 100 receptions too. He's had big games where he's had over 100 yards against Penn State, Indiana State, Syracuse, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana. He is an impact player, and he has had at least three receptions per game, his lowest coming against Maryland, and he has had a high of 12 receptions in games against Nebraska and Penn State, where he had 132 and 153 receiving yards respectively, and two TDs against Nebraska, one against Penn State. He's had 12 receiving touchdowns all year. He's helped return some punts as well, where he excelled at that at Iowa, and I would have to give mainly because of Charlie Jones, I'd have to give them the edge at wide receiver. At tight end, Michigan's been banged up this year. They've had Colston Loveland come in and make some big plays. Luke Schoonmaker, when healthy, has been good. But Schoonmaker's had some injuries. Eric All's been out for basically the whole year with a back injury. And tight end Payne Durham reigns there. Who, in my opinion, he's a first-team All-Big Ten player. My all Big Ten teams for offense, defense, and special teams will be released before the Big Ten championship game this Saturday. I've already made up my mind on who's on the lists. 
I just have to make the graphics and pump those videos out before Saturday. So hit the notification bell and subscribe to my channel if you haven't already so you can get notified when I release my all Big Ten teams. And make sure to like this video and comment down below your prediction for the Big Ten championship game. Tell me if Purdue can cover the spread, if you think Michigan covers the spread. Tell me who wins and who covers the spread. Tell me your thoughts down below in the comment section. Michigan has the nation's best offensive line. They have one of the best defensive lines. Purdue has an underrated defensive line. They have two good defensive ends. They have some solid defensive tackles. They're one of the they're, they're very underrated in defending the run. They haven't been the most consistent in that area, but they have had great moments, like where they shut down Nicholas Singleton in week one. But Michigan is definitely the superior team in the trenches. They have better linebackers with Junior Colson and Michael Barrett. At defensive back, they have guys like Rod Moore, DJ Turner, Mike Sainra still, whereas defensive back at times has been a weakness for Purdue. And then at special teams... Jake Moody and Brad Robbins and A.J. Henning, who's now back and healthy with Jay Harbaugh's special teams coach. Michigan is one of the better special teams unit in the Big Ten and, a, and the country as a whole. Jake Moody winning Big Ten kicker of the year as well. Michigan's ranked fourth in ESPN's FPI and fourth in efficiency despite beating Ohio State. Though what I will say is in those power metrics, Michigan was, they were fourth, but they were very distant behind the third, second, and first best teams in those categories. They're now fourth, but they're not nearly as distant. By power ranking points and efficiency points, they've very much closed the gap between them and Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. Alabama's third in efficiency, but they moved up to second in FPI, whereas Ohio State dropped to third in FPI. If Michigan wins big against Purdue, there's a very good chance they'll jump up to third or second in efficiency and possibly surpass Ohio State or maybe even Alabama in football power index points. Purdue, in comparison, is 35th in ESPN's FPI and also 35th in efficiency. So efficiency metrics football power index metrics, and even the polls, because the polls have Michigan as a top four team, and 35th is about the position where you'll begin to receive votes if you look at things from a polling standpoint, and Purdue has received some votes. Everything's in agreement that Purdue's about, you know, a top 35, top 40 team. Michigan's a top four team, is what basically everything is saying when you combine all the multiple voices and do your research is that Michigan's a talented, very efficient, they're great at developing their players, and they're an elite top four team. Purdue, they're also great at utilizing talent. They are efficient, and they are a above average to good team, but they're not at Michigan's caliber. And the 52nd to 14th in the talent area and 35 to 4 in football power and efficiency just shows that. The Wolverines' main strength is their number one rushing attack, and the Boilermakers' main strength is their do-it-all wide receiver, Charlie Jones, who again, 1,199 passing yards and 12 passing 
touch, not 12 passing touchdowns, 12 receiving touchdowns, and 1,199 receiving yards. My apologies there for that little slip. He averages 12.4 yards per reception, and he has 97 receiving yards. Michigan this year is 2,934 rushing yards. They average 5.6 yards per carry, and they have 35, that's right, 35 rushing touchdowns. The number one rushing attack in the nation, even there's an argument for that even when they are not fully healthy. Seeing what Donovan Edwards and that offensive line did just this past week and what Donovan Edwards has also done against Penn State this season, what he did in the Rutgers game too where he had a good game. But when Blake Corum is healthy, Michigan's rushing attack is for sure number one and they for sure have the number one running back room. Some players to watch in this game, quarterback J.J. McCarthy and quarterback Aiden O'Connell. With Blake Corum injured and with Purdue, you never know with their defense, they could come and play and defend Michigan's run game well. I think you've got to look out for both quarterbacks here. Aiden O'Connell, it's sad to say, I hate it when football players suffer. They work so hard to do what they do. And I've said before that players are bad or they're not doing well. And I've also said that players are great and some are elite and that some deserve the hype or the praise around them and others don't. The reality is that if you're playing at the Power 5 level, if you're playing at the Division 1 level, heck, if you're playing at the FCS level, you're good at football. You're great at football compared to the average American. You're great at football compared to the average football player, because that includes high school players, um, Division 2 and Division 3 players, so on and so forth. Aiden O'Connell is ranked 31st in QBR. He's tied 28th in TD passes, 20th in passing yards. He has the same habit that he did last year where he does throw interceptions. That is his one weakness. He is an above-average to good Power 5 quarterback, which means he's a good to great Division I FBS quarterback. He unfortunately lost his older brother just recently. And I only mention this to say that when teams are emotional, the range of... The range of outcomes widens, and I also mention it to say that you should keep him in your prayers, because no one deserves to lose. No one deserves to lose their older brother, no one, and that's terrible. And I hope that listen. I hope that you know. I don't really know exactly what to say, but I empathize with him, and I feel sympathy for him and, and compassion and care for him. Anyway, emotions. They, they run high, obviously, during a tragic event like this. And when it comes to games, they can widen the range of outcome. So Aiden O'Connell, you never know here, and he's done this before. He did it against Tennessee in the bowl game last year. And he did it a few other times, like against Michigan State last season, where he looked like the absolute, except for a few passes in those games, he looked like the perfect NFL passer. He has that high upside. And I'm just saying there's a chance that with emotions and also with his natural style of, of play and the way that Jeff and Brian Brom scheme him and with an explosive wide receiver and tight end like Charlie Jones and Payne Durham, he can go off. 
and he can have an absolute fantastic game. Or he can have a game where he has explosiveness, but he also throws picks along with touchdowns. Or he could have an absolutely horrible game like he does with Iowa or like he did with Wisconsin. I'm just saying, you don't necessarily know what he is going to bring. Michigan should and will prepare for him as if he's going to bring his best game. He's thrown for 3,124 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 11 picks. And he has a 133 passer rating on the year. So put some respect on his name. He could go out there and have an emotional elite game. Or he could not. We will just have to see. And then for J.J. McCarthy, speaking of an emotional elite game, though obviously a different kind of emotional, J.J. McCarthy went into Columbus and threw three touchdowns, ran for another, and had his career game. He had a 183 passer rating that game, a 92.6 QBR. He only completed 50% of his passes, but... He averaged 11 yards per pass, had 263 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He was sacked once, and he had 27 rushing yards on six attempts for 4.5 yards per carry and one rushing touchdown, which was three yards on a critical third and goal to put Michigan in front by 11 in Columbus. J.J. McCarthy on the year has 2,215 passing yards, He's passed for 17 touchdowns, but only two interceptions, and he has a 78.1 QBR, which is 16th in the nation. J.J. McCarthy has taken Cade McNamara's best attributes and added them to his higher upside. He no longer has that lower floor that that we talked about when comparing him to Cade, and he showed that in the Ohio State game. Two interceptions, he's fumbled it a few times, but none of them have been lost, and that was early in the year. Since that Penn State game, McCarthy has thrown no picks, he's only been sacked four times, he's had three rushing touchdowns, and he's had a lot of solid performances overall. Not the best all the time, struggled against Rutgers and Illinois, did okay versus Nebraska and Michigan State. But he had an exemplary game versus Ohio State, good games against Indiana and Iowa, an okay to above average game against Maryland. He's played Big Ten opponents. He's played some solid to elite in the case of Iowa defenses, some underrated defenses, and he's done well and shredded some teams through the air. Very high upside. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and just like Aiden O'Connell, who's a good to great quarterback, J.J. McCarthy has a chance to prove himself in Indianapolis and move himself from that great category to maybe borderline elite category. And believe me, if Aiden O'Connell like throws for five touchdowns and Purdue somehow wins, he would be thrown into that conversation and viewed in a different light as well. Both of these quarterbacks are coming out with something to prove. Devin Mockaby for Purdue, who's their running back, and Blake Corm from Michigan have already proven that they are great at their position and that they have already overachieved expectations. J.J. McCarthy and Aiden O'Connell, not so much. But if one of them is a big performance, and I think one of them will have a big performance in Indy, they will have exceeded expectations. Let's get into the prediction then. I think Michigan will win 
big. They will win huge, and I think this is because Michigan matches up very well with Purdue. Michigan can pass, is proven last week, and they can run the football. And Michigan also has a great defense, and most importantly, they have a defense that has a good pass rush. It's not as good as last year's, but they are great at defending the run, and they're excellent at breaking up passes and playing and and playing close to your receivers in coverage, whether it is in zone or man. Michigan will march on to win the Big Ten again. They will win it for the second year in a row, and they will win it for the second year in a row in dominating fashion by a score of 52-17. to I think quarterback J.J. McCarthy will have 200 or more yards, and he will have three or more touchdowns. I think he will be the quarterback to go off in this game. Corum, though will likely rest. I think Corum might have a chance to make it to New York. He won't win the award, though, unless he goes off in this game and plays and gets 200 or more yards and three or more touchdowns, and Caleb Williams has a terrible game against Utah. That'd be the only way Corum would have a chance to win the award. But I think that seeing that he possibly has a bone bruise and an MCL sprain slash tear... I think that he is going to be rested by the staff in preparation for Michigan's college football playoff game, which they have a 99% chance to reach the college football playoff about. The wide receivers, Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson especially, and look out for Luke Schoonmaker and Colston Loveland if they're healthy, they will excel with quarterback J.J. McCarthy. That I have absolutely no doubts about. Michigan will move Purdue in both the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball at the trenches. They will get penetration. They will get tackles for loss. They will get pancakes. Michigan will have explosive plays. I'm not saying Purdue is incapable of bringing a close game. They certainly are. I just think that Michigan is peaking. They are peaking. And this Michigan team is much better. They are much better than last year's Michigan squad. And Iowa, comparing last year's Iowa squad to this year's Purdue squad, Iowa's defense last year, I actually think it's it was worse last year than it was this year. It's just their offensive line and running back room and wide receiver room were that much more atrocious this year than last year. Purdue doesn't have the defense to contain Michigan. They don't. They have the defense, and most teams have the defense to make Michigan look like a just a fringe top 10 team in the first half. That's what Purdue's defense can do. But once the second half gets rolling, Michigan's going to come out with fireworks, they're going to dominate, and they're going to win. And heck, given that Purdue's defense sometimes sputters, Michigan might run through them from the beginning to the end. The spoiler makers will not spoil the Wolverines. And I say spoiler makers because you have to give Aiden O'Connell and Jeff Brom respect. Last year, they beat two AP top three teams. Aiden O'Connell's a great quarterback. Jeff Brom, I think, is a great head coach. More importantly, a great schemer. He's definitely a great schemer. The way he beat Iowa last year, the way he beat Michigan State last year, and the way he beat Ohio State in 2018, phenomenal. That's a that's a good head coach if you can beat those highly ranked teams. 
And no, Iowa and Michigan State last year weren't playoff teams, but they both finished with 10 or more wins. They both were top 25 teams at the end of the year, and Purdue beat them both handily. They beat them both by double digits, beat a top 10 MSU team at the end of the year by double digits, and a top 25 Iowa team who barely missed out on their 11th win over Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. They beat them by, I think, 17 points, Michigan State by 11. So it gives Purdue some respect. They do have a chance here. Remember, nothing is guaranteed. I think Aiden O'Connell will throw for two touchdowns and two picks. I don't think that he will have a great game. I think that him and Charlie Jones will connect on a big play somewhere. I just think given Purdue's scheme and the fact that Jones and Aiden O'Connell are a great quarterback-wide receiver duo, it's bound to happen. But I think through pressure and through great defensive play, O'Connell will have some turnovers as well. And that's all I have to say for this video. If you liked it, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment your score prediction for Indy and your thoughts on the game down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you around. Bye.